Yeah, so let's say this. The word of God is truth. If I live the word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Turn to somebody and say, it's so simple. It's just so simple. We have to work really hard to make it a confusing word. Hallelujah. Well, I'm glad to be home. Uh, there's no place like home. And uh, three weeks is a lot longer when you're not at home. How many of you know three weeks seems to fly by anymore, just days fly by? But when you're out of the country and you're not where you can get home, three weeks can seem like a long time. I have to confess I got a little homesick a couple of times, but thank the Lord for Skype. Did any of you know Skype? You can call. It doesn't cost anything. And uh, so I would call Pastor Bill and have him pray for me. You know, it's good to know that people are praying for you, and I thank you all for praying for me on that trip. I could feel your prayers. There were a lot of flights. Uh, I think I had 10 different flights on that trip, and most of them were four or five hours long, some nine, one ten, one twelve and a half. And uh, in three weeks, we did a lot of flying, but we also got to see a lot of great works of the Spirit of God in the places that we went. So it was just a great time. And in the process of that, uh, God began to speak some things to me to come back and share with our body. And um, I was aware as I traveled around the world that the whole world is um, in a shaky position. Uh, you know, they're, they're, there's problems everywhere. Our problems in the United States are not necessarily the problems in other nations. But the same enemy is working in all those situations. The thief comes to steal, kill, destroy, which is the devil. But Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. So you can look at situations and you can tell who's in control. And in most of the places we were in, uh, we could see the fear that the enemy is uh, perpetrating throughout the world of uh, uh, people not knowing what's going to happen. They don't know what tomorrow is going to be. Uh, If you don't know Jesus and you look at the situations and circumstances, even in our nation, uh, we don't know exactly what tomorrow will be. But when you have Christ as the anchor for your soul, you're steadfast. Everybody say steadfast. And you're immovable. That's what the Bible says, that steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And uh, even though things might be shaken, we're not shaking with it because we know the truth. And where the truth is, there's stability. There's the ability to stand in the midst of troubles, situations, and still be effective for the kingdom of God. And uh, I shared with the first service, in the United States, I know we have opportunities, but our opportunities are nothing like the other parts of the world I was in. And I believe it's this reason. In the United States, God designed this nation to be the nation of light to the world. And so there is a light in this nation that you do not always feel in another nation. In other nations, the darkness has overwhelmed the light. And so when you get off an airplane or you walk into a situation as a believer, because we have light in us, we can sense the darkness. You can feel the different spirit that's around you. And it does try to intimidate you, put fear in you. Just going through customs... You know, and, and having to show your passport, uh, it can cause intimidation because those passport people, they're not the most friendly bunch. You know, it's not like, welcome to our country. It's like, why should we let you in here? You know, it's that kind of a attitude. In fact, we didn't know we had to have a, pass, uh, a visa for uh, in Australia to go anywhere in that nation. You have to have a visa. 
we didn't know that. So we tried to fly out of the Philippines to go there, and they weren't going to let us get on the plane because we didn't have a visa. We had no other flight we could take to get to what we needed to in, in Sydney for the meetings that Pastor Sharon was supposed to be in. So we had to get on that flight. And uh, it was so hot. They also don't have air conditioning in Hawaii in their, in their airports. And so the sweat, literally my hair was soaking wet, dropping sweat. We were praying, favor, favor, favor. And they, the man that waited on us, he was not moot budging. So Sharon and I agreed, we will get our passports because we have to get on this flight, Lord. And a lady came out from the back. He finally got exasperated with us because we weren't leaving. And he went to the back and brought a lady out. And she said, okay, I'll help you. It'll be $100. I said, that's fine. We'll pay the $100. Just get us those visas, like now, please. And, and she did. And we got our visas. We had to get in a long line. When we finally got there, we had to run all the way to our gate to get on the plane. But the devil did not win. We won in Jesus' name. Everybody say, the favor of God. You know, when somebody tells you you can't do that, you need to ask God, is that really true? Because the enemy tries to intimidate and keep us from the plans of God. And so uh, I have to admit, I learned a lot on this trip being with Pastor Sharon. She is not easily intimidated because she's traveled for years all over the world. And so I'm kind of hanging on her coattails. I'm looking at her. She said, we have favor. I go, we have favor. (laughs) We will win. We will win. But, you know, uh, that's my first time to have somebody just be so intimidating in an airport. And uh, I sweat bullets, but I, by faith, got through there, and we got in our plane on time. And uh, But, you know, the enemy comes to steal the plan of God. That's really what he wants. He's not so interested in you personally. He's interested in you because you carry the plan of God. You carry the life of God. You carry the power of God. You carry the anointing of God. And you are an endangerment to what he's trying to do if you are awake and know what you've got. If you don't know what you have, then you're no problem to him. So, you know, if if some people say, well, you know, I don't have any, that devil never bothers me. That's not a good sign. (laughs) Because the devil torments and comes after the people that have a, a way of attacking what he's doing and stopping what he's doing. And I believe that we are in that time. Uh, the Lord began to give me a word about disaster relief. And uh, ultimately, it's the peace of God. So what Kelly was saying today as she took it out of worship, that's God's heart for the body of Christ to be at peace. Because the Lord told me when you're not at peace, you cannot receive from the Spirit of God. When you're not at peace, you can't dream dreams and you can't see visions. And that's what God said that he was going to do with his people. And so ultimately... God wants peace. You know, you hear uh, oftentimes there was a movie once where everybody wanted world peace. Well, world peace is not going to come because we get a new president or some other nation gets a new leader. World peace isn't going to come because peace was totally eradicated with the decision in the garden. And now there's a war. There's always been a war. There will always be war. Whether our military is involved or not, the enemy is at war against the things of God. And so we are at war. Turn to your neighbor and say, we are at war. I heard Pastor Sharon say, you may not want to be at war, but you are. So figure out what to do about it. Because if you don't, you'll become a victim of what the enemy wants for your life rather than a victor doing what God has for your life, doing the plan of God and purposes. So the title of this message, and I'm going to share on it for a couple of weeks, is uh, Disaster Relief. 
Everybody say disaster relief. And, you know, everybody's focused on that around the world. I didn't realize how much till I made this trip. But, you know, in every nation, they're, they're preparing for disasters because the earthquake in Nepal, the earthquakes that we've had in India, the earth, the earth is quaking underneath. And when those plates are shaken in one place, because it's an earthquake there doesn't mean that the rest of the world has not been shaken because once those plates start shifting it shifts underground all over the world and so it makes other areas of the world prone to have the same kind of episodes and it says in matthew 24 there will be earthquakes there will be famine there will be all these things and these things are happening not in lafayette indiana right now but they're happening around the world they are happening in Oklahoma, which they've never had earthquakes, but they've had lots of shakings in the last few months. Uh, I was with Pastor Sharon on this trip, and she, she decided we'd watch. She loves to watch movies on the airplane, and, and so she said, let's watch San Andreas. That was the last movie. Well, we watched that, and I don't watch scary movies, and it's about the fault in California and everything happens. Every, I mean, it's like one trauma after the other. I had my hands covered over my face. She was grabbing me by the arm. Anyway, by the end of it, we pulled into Manila, ended up on the 21st floor of a hotel, a beautiful hotel with glass, floor to ceiling, and they're sitting there telling us, we're just uh, training right now for disaster relief. Uh, we're, we're on a fault line right here. You know, the fault, you remember the earthquake in uh, Nepal? And I'm going, and Sharon's looking at me. And then they begin to tell us all these things they're doing to prepare for this thing that they believe could happen where they are because they're sitting on the fault line that is the same fault line that, that happened in, India, uh, in Nepal. And uh, by the time I went to my room, my room was glass, top to bottom, all the way, looking way out over everything. I mean to tell you, I said, could I have a room with a little less glass <laughs> in the middle of the building? And Pastor Sharon said to me, I had to take control of my thoughts last night. I thought I had to take control of my thoughts, and I moved. <laughs> I'm not quite where she is. I got me a different room. But <clears throat> I still had one whole wall of glass. We cannot be fearful. Everybody say fearful. And the way to eradicate fear is to rise in your faith level. You know, faith uh, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. So our love walk and our faith walk are going to have to increase for the things that we're going to face. Because I believe there will be natural disasters. I believe the word of God in, in Matthew 24, that as we get closer to the end, things that will be shaken are going to be shaken. It says that in Hebrews. So what do we do in this situation? Well, I felt like God began to speak to me on this trip about disaster relief. But he said to me, this is before I ever experienced the Philippines. He said to me, uh, in disaster, relief is brought to help. He said, I bring help. Hebrews 4.16, come boldly to the throne of grace that you might receive help in your time of need. He said, you are bringing disaster relief spiritually to the nations. Spiritually across the world, there is a spiritual disaster. How many of you would agree to that? I mean, there, it started in the Garden of Eden, but it has continued. And the enemy has intensified what he's doing. You are bringing spiritual relief, aid to help the victims be restored, the houses or the people themselves to be rebuilt upon firmly upon the rock. 
uh, fresh manna and fresh anointing, a visitation of the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe that's God's will all over the world, all over the world. But who's he going to use to do this? Look at the person next to you and said, it's you. You know, uh, sometimes we hear you're the one and we're real excited. Well, we need to get excited because this is the church's finest hour. That's what God told me. This is our, this is the finest hour for the church. If they wake up and realize that we are about to see Jesus exalted, the glory of God fill the earth like never before. And we get to be a part of that because we are believers. Turn your neighbor and say, I am a believer. But the thing is, we got to know what we believe. Relief is removal or reducing of something that is painful or unpleasant. Removal or lightening of something oppressive, painful, and distressing. How many of you think the world is maybe in some of those definitions right there of why they would need relief from distress? Uh, Stress is becoming a major problem medically in the world. I mean, people are having to take all kinds of pills so that they're not so stressed. But Jesus is the answer. Turn to somebody and say, Jesus is the answer. He's the answer for every person sitting here. I'm sure glad to see you here today, Corey. I see you back there. Hallelujah. Do you know God sees where we are and he loves us and he will He will come and find us to help us wherever we are. I saw that on this trip. Uh, it says in verse 3 of Genesis, uh, chapter 3 of it, Genesis verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He still is cunning. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? And the woman said back to the serpent, well, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. You know, there are things that in this world we are free to do, and then there are things that we are not free to do. But isn't it the things that we're not free to do that we want to do? You know, it's like it's like my husband with paint. You know, he sees wet paint, he has to touch it. He just has to. He can't help himself. I've watched him. He gets green fingers, purple fingers, because he won't leave the paint alone. You know, there's just something in us that says when we see don't do this, that makes us want to try it. Just, just let me see. And so she wasn't any different than any of us, you know, but the devil, he wanted to, he knew she knew she wasn't supposed to eat that tree. So what he did was he tried to make it look like that God really wouldn't, you're not going to die. It says, you shall not surely die, the serpent said, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, he always tempts us that it's going to be better. If we do this in the day that you eat it in your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was for good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate and she also gave to her husband and he ate. Now, Adam was the first to get the, the instruction. Do not eat from that tree. Eve wasn't even there as recorded in the Bible when God said that. But we know that Adam told her because she told the devil, I'm not supposed to eat that. But she decided, well, that sounds pretty good. This sounds like that really I'll be better if I eat the tree. So she tried it. She gave it to him. He didn't say, woman, put that fruit down. And he was called to guard the garden. So it isn't a case of was it the man or the woman. They both yielded to the power of the enemy. And from then on, evil was in the world. It's still here today. Our enemy 
Our enemies are not the Muslims. Our enemies is the devil. It's the evil that's in the world that has consumed people's lives under whatever title, whether it's alcohol, drugs, a religion, no matter what it is, that's a bondage that separates people from the love of God and from who God is in receiving Jesus. That's the enemy. Everybody say, that's the enemy. Our enemy is not in a person. It's, it's in the power of evil. But the good news is we have a power greater than that. My Bible says greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So we have the ability. But we have to, like Eve, when we're tempted, we have to make a decision to say no. God did say. And God has given me the power to overcome that. And that's when things begin to change in people's lives. So as uh, God was sharing this with me, I, I just really felt it says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish. Everybody say perish. Do you know what that word means? Perish means would go to hell. R- really, when we get down to the bottom of this whole thing that's happening, there's heaven and there's hell. And every, all of us at one point or another will leave this earth, whether we go in the rapture or we go by the, the path of death. But the Bible says if you have Jesus, death has no sting. That means there won't be any bad part to it. It'll be a resurrection into eternal life. Amen? That's a good thing. So we as believers have a positive approach to everything because we serve a positive God. A God who says all things are possible to him who believes. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. And so when we, when we begin to see that Jesus is the answer for the world, I know that we all have situations and circumstances that we pray and seek God about. But it's, this is truth. The, the body of Christ, as we grow in the word, we begin to have greater desires. And sometimes those desires, God-given desires, become our focus instead of Jesus. It says in Romans, you cannot worship the creation more than you worship the creator. And so what happens is we get distracted and we get distracted from giving people Jesus rather than, than it, you know, the promises of God are, are yes and amen, but they're yes and amen as we seek him, not seek the promise. Does that make sense? And so for the world, Jesus is the answer. The body of Christ has the power to bring a light into the world that no one else can bring. That if you don't know Christ, you cannot bring the light. You can, you can try to make things better, but you cannot bring the light. Jesus said in, in John 8, I am the light of the world. Uh, you know, he who comes to me will be saved. He then said in Matthew to the disciples, he said, you are the light of the world. We carry the light of the world. When I was in the Philippines, um, they, were, they were practicing, like I said, for disaster relief. Uh, the Philippines has a lot of disaster situations because the, rain, the rains there are huge. In fact, the week before we got there, they had a rain in two and a half hours that flooded everything, even in the streets. Some of the streets, it was waist high. Uh, in the church that we were preaching in, uh, they have underground parking, and during their service on that Sunday night, it rained so hard, it flooded that area. They were having church. They went down, and all the cars were floating. The phone system was eradicated. The elevator went kaputs to, to all the floors of their building. And so just in two and a half hours, they had 
what we would define as a disaster. I mean, in America, if we had something like that, we would call that a, a full-fledged disaster. For them, it's kind of a normal type thing that happens. But they have disasters like, uh, we, they call them typhoons. We call them hurricanes. But they're, they're massive. I mean, thousands of people displaced, mudslides, all, all that kind of thing. And two years ago, they had a really bad one. There was a man from China who came over into the Philippines to Manila, and he brought $700,000 worth of equipment that could be used to feed people. Big pots, big, big pots. All the kitchen stuff, like Luann would appreciate this, that you could cook, cook for thousands. Everybody say thousands. Not see, Luann, you might have been preparing to cook for thousands, but you know, uh, it, just all this equipment. But he couldn't get anybody to connect with to help him. Long story short, he ended up in this church we were in, uh, New Life, which is Pastor Paul Chase, and he said, "Well, we'll hook up with you. We'll help." And so they began to help. Their body began to help. Now this is a six thousand member church, and people in the church began to help. But they realized they didn't know all they needed to know about dealing with a natural disaster. Because, I mean, the, the waters did not recede. And, and there was a lot of sickness and things that they had to deal with. But anyway, they had all this equipment. They could feed thousands in a very short time because of this huge equipment that they could use to do it. Well, when he left, he said, he told Pastor Paul in the beginning, he said, when this is over, I will give you all the equipment. And I'll go back to China. That man died a couple of years later. But they had all this $700,000 worth of equipment. So they have refurbished a big truck, and they've put all of it in there. And the Saturday we were there, they had gone out into one of the places outside Manila, and they had fed 1,200 children in two hours. All they wanted. Because they had that. They're practicing. Everybody say practicing. They're practicing for this disaster. Well, I believe the body of Christ, we have to practice for what's going on spiritually. We have to begin to be willing, whether it's just somebody we work with, our neighbor, to begin to ask God, how do I witness to them so that they can receive Jesus? Because he's the answer for the disaster even the disasters that we might face naturally, which I believe we could, and I, need, we, I know we need to be prepared. But spiritually, if we're not prepared, we will not bring what people need. We are called as a church to bring spiritual aid. Everybody say spiritual aid. Now, spiritual aid includes peace and joy and love and forgiveness, all those things that people need that make them whole again within themselves. And I saw this little thing hanging on my, the gal that took care of us, and I said, Jane, what is that? Oh, she said, this is what we get when we go through our class for 40 hours on disaster relief, on how to handle a disaster. And she said, there's a whistle, and there's, this has got a whistle. She said, those whistles came in handy when the basement flooded. Then it has a compass, and then it has a light. And the Lord said to me later that night, you've got that. You have a whistle. It's your mouth. The Bible says in Ezekiel that we're to warn people of what's coming so that they'll, they'll respond to Christ and get saved. The, the, most, the most horrible disaster is that somebody ends up in hell. That's the worst. That's the church who brings that kind of life. Jesus is the answer for that. Uh, the compass, the Lord said to me, is the Holy Spirit in you, Pam. The Holy Spirit will tell you what to do. 
to bring relief, to bring disaster relief spiritually to people, to bring what they need. And he said, within you is the light. And so wherever you go, darkness has light shed on it. And I saw that in, this, in these places that we went. We went up in the mountains to this place and, uh, and literally in a, in a room maybe the size of right here, there was 100 people, 100 people hungry for the things of God. A lady got healed. Somebody else had something happen. I mean, the Spirit of God came. Now, to play the piano in this building, there was no room on the stage. I had to squeeze. The keyboard was on a table, and I had to squeeze back in this place. And Pastor Sharon says, could you turn off the fans? It's blowing my papers. I'm thinking, oh, dear Jesus, I can't pass out over here when they're doing a healing service. That won't look right. But I was sucking air to stay up above the water there. But it's not always comfortable. Say, it's not always comfortable. I mean, you know, I was sweating bullets again. But, you know, and then I couldn't get out. Once I got back there, I couldn't get out because I was trapped. And I noticed the other piano player went under the piano, under the table. I thought, I am not that short. And besides, uh, what if I get stuck under the table? And so they came up and rescued me and moved the keyboard to get me out. But it looked like, you know, I was 100 years old and we had to get somebody, a whole crane to get me out of there. But, but I'm just saying it's never, it's never like, it's just easy maybe. But it's what we have to do for people to get the life of God. And it's time. God is looking for the body of Christ to rise up. It's harvest time. See, that's, that's why it's such a, a great time for the church. It's harvest time. Uh, you know, if Jesus does come, and I know the church, I know a lot of the church is saying he, he's coming soon. He is really coming soon. But what are we doing then if he's coming soon? What, what is the crisis? It's a spiritual crisis if he's coming soon because there's a lot of people who do not know Jesus. And they're going to go to hell. That is a spiritual crisis. That is a disaster. And so we don't want to live in that kind of disaster. It says in First Chronicles 12.32, and it's talking about a, a tribe of Israel. But it says the sons of Issachar, they were one of the 12 tribes, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200 and their brethren were at their command. It says in verse 38, that uh, they were all in unity. They knew how to, they knew how to flow as an army. All these men of war who could keep ranks. Everybody said keep ranks. That means they could stay in position and do what they were supposed to do. Came to Hebron with a loyal heart to make David king over all Israel. And all the rest of Israel were of one mind to make David king. We have to be of one mind to make Jesus Christ king of kings, lord of lords. All over the earth. Not just... Not just here in our city, but all over the world. And I believe it begins with prayer. We do have opportunity through prayer to bring our authority into being and to change things. And uh, there's a real emphasis on prayer as I traveled around over in, in Australia and in the Philippines both uh, in the churches for prayer. To pray and believe God for God's intervention in situations and circumstances. Because some of them are so, uh, the things that are happening are so bizarre. How many of you know there's some really bizarre things that have happened? And, uh, but God is bigger than that. His power is greater than that. It says in 2 Timothy 3.1 that we are in perilous times. And I believe we're there. If you read that in 2 Timothy, it goes on to say, and I think it describes just the world, all over the world. But it's in uh, 2 Timothy 3. 
And it, it, when it says we're in perilous times, then it goes on and explains what that means. And it says, for men will be lovers of themselves. How, how many of you would say we have that kind of a spirit today? Everything is about as long as I get to do what I want to do. And there's laws being passed to let people do that. Uh, lovers of money, which I want to tell you, the, the reason that there's so much pornography, there's so many things that are happening, it's about money. The ultimate part of that is money. And so there's that greed. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. We've never lived like we are today with the disobedience that we see in young people. I don't, I, now, I was, I was disobedient. So please, if you're here today and disobedient, I probably outdid you. Yeah, I mean, I was bad. I mean, I, I, I was sitting in the stairwell once and said, uh, Mary and Lou, I hate you. Mary and I got me a groove going, you know. That was my mother's name, Mary and Lou. I'm a teenager, eighth grade. Mary and Lou, I hate you. The door opened, and the next thing I knew, I was in the bottom of the stairwell. <laughs> Just saying. Now, I know today that would not be a good thing. But I want to tell you, I never, uh, you know, I learned a lot from my mother. I didn't learn that time. I just went higher on the steps and did it again. However, <laughs> I'm telling you, I know what rebellion is. However, it is to steal the future of a young person. It may seem like I'm really somebody, but what the ultimate goal is, is to steal the life of that young person. Steal the plan of God for that young person. Steal from them and their family the peace and joy that God intended the family to have. Rebellion is not cute. Could I just say that? I, I see today in today's world. Now I'm going to go to preach and I better get off this. But children are not cute when they're rebellious. And, and we've got to be, today's world is, we just let everybody kind of do what they want. I'm telling you, those kind of things will open the door to the enemy. And he will come in. He comes in like a flood. Now, the good news is, everybody remember this, Isaiah 59 says, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against him. What is the standard? The word of God. The truth of the word of God. But we have to be obedient to enforce that kind of thing in the earth. Or the enemy is going to take over in situations. goes on and it says, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control. I would say we've really hit the, the bell on that one. Uh, brutal, despisers of good, traitor, headstrong, haughty. This is the biggest. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Now, that's not just the United States. In Perth, when I was in Perth, uh, they came to pick us up. They gave us a whole house to live in called a holiday house. It was across the street from a school. And on Sunday morning, the field was flooded with people, with young kids playing sports. From early in the morning, 8 o'clock, clear till about 4 in the afternoon. Now, there's nothing wrong with sports, but there's a lot of days to have sports. We could still have time to go to give God an hour on Sunday. I'm not trying to preach at you. I'm just trying to explain. The enemy is seducing people through good things. But we have to remember what is the God thing. What is the God thing for us, for our family, for our nation? You know, um, when my ch children, once I got saved, they didn't have a choice about going to church. The car was going, I was going, and they were going in the car. And they didn't like me. You know, they, and I'd quote the scripture, my children's peace is great. Because of the word of God, you'd have never known it by what was flapping in the back of the truck. 
There was no peace. Nobody liked me. Nobody liked each other. But they still went to church. It wasn't based on how they felt about it. It was based on the truth of the word of God. Do not forsake yourself. The assembling of yourselves together in the church. And it says even more so as the day approaches. What day is that? The day we're in. So it's not a case of choice. I don't have a choice. I'm an adult. But I believe by the spirit of God, I'm to put God first. He is my first love. I serve him first. If I don't serve him first... The enemy is going to find something else to put in there. And pleasure has become a real first for people, godly or ungodly. So we have a battle we're, we're facing. But the Word of God says we win. We've got a whistle, we got a compass, and we got a light. And we have a future. Everybody say we have a future. I don't, I don't think it's over for America. I don't think it's over at all. I think it's going to be over when God comes for a church without spot or wrinkle. Washed in the blood of the lamb, a church that stands up and says, devil, you shouldn't mess with me because I know who's I know who's really in control. Jesus is in control. Does that mean you don't feel fear? No, you will feel fear. But because you feel fear doesn't mean you give in to fear. It means you you recognize that there's a force, but greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I can tell you on this trip, I felt fear a few times. You don't fly all that time without a few bumps big ones sometimes but you know you're on assignment for god you take authority and you do what you've got to do it says in john 16 the compass the holy spirit will tell us what god's saying says in proverbs 29 i'm going to finish with this real quick but proverbs 29 says that people perish everybody say perish without revelation now revelation is prophetic vision but the Bible isn't talking here about getting you, get you a prophet to go with you everywhere. How, how many of you know you don't always have a prophet with you? But you do have a prophetic voice inside you. It's called the Holy Spirit. Because it says in John 16, the Holy Spirit will tell you things to come. And we need to know what's coming. How many of you would like to know what's coming in a situation? You know, I, sometimes I have to say to the Lord, I mean, is this how it's going to be? The Lord always has a better answer than the devil about how it's going to be because God sees ahead and he will shine the light on truth. The Holy Spirit is the compass within me. I have a mouth to proclaim. I have a compass to show me the way and the light to show me where darkness is. And those are the things that God has put on the inside of us. It says, I want to read you this. It's in uh, John four thirty-five, and then we're going to stand. Uh, Pastor Billy Joe Doherty. Now, I was with his wife, Sharon Doherty. For those of you that don't know where I was, she was speaking in those three nations. And so we were in Hawaii. Then we went to Sydney. Then we went to Perth. Then we flew through Singapore, went over to Manila. Then we went to Tokyo. Then we flew to Dallas. And then I flew home. So uh, the only thing I didn't do was go around the world. I think I'll do that next time because all you got to do is just go the other direction, you know, go on over to Europe or somewhere and then come around on that side. And then you've gone around the world. Do you know it is fast to get around the world today? I mean, we're living in a fast paced age where things are quick, but the, the gospel can go that fast right around the world with any of you, not just me. God is working and moving in just marvelous ways. But this is what it says in John John 4, or 3. No. I'm in the wrong scripture. John 4. Yeah, here it is. 
John 4.35. Do not say there are still four months. Everybody say, we know the times. See, we're like the tribe of Israel, Issachar's tribe. We know what time it is. Then all we need is understanding to know what to do in the time we're in. God has an answer for every one of you for the day you're living in. Exactly for you. For where you work. For the people you associate with. It says, there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields. For they are already white for harvest. When Pastor Billy Joe, Sharon's husband, was uh, just before he passed... He had written this scripture down. It was what he was getting ready to preach on. That was six years ago. Uh, I, I believe that we as a church will miss it if all we see is trouble. Could I say that again? The church will miss it if all we see is trouble. We have to see harvest. We have to see that it's bad, but that bad for us is good. Does that make sense? And it's all what you see. The fields are white for harvest. Things are in such a shape in the world that the only liberation that the world can receive is Jesus. Everybody say he's the answer. It doesn't matter what president we have. Thank God. I pray we get the right one. But I want to tell you my faith is not in the president. My faith is definitely not in the Senate or the Congress. My faith is not in government. Jesus said the government will be upon his shoulders. The kingdom I serve, that government is based on the word of God, not what people are saying and not what people are putting in the paper. My government is based upon the power and the anointing that I have through Jesus Christ, that you have through Jesus Christ. We are not a whipped people. We are not a down and out people. We are the people of God. And greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. And what we see is harvest. Everybody say harvest. harvest. Say, I see see fields fields ready for harvest. harvest. That means there are people waiting for you. Amen. Let's stand. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it's true. Lord, help us to see what you see. Give us eyes to see what the Spirit of God sees. You know, there's a song that we used to sing that, It's opened my eyes that I may see uh, visions of truth you have for me. Uh, It was an old hymn that we used to sing. And then through the years, they've made other songs about open my eyes. Um, I believe that the eye of the Spirit knows and the Holy Spirit sees and he will speak. It will keep you out of trouble. How many of you have ever been in trouble? And then when you look again, you think, oh, now I see how I got there. But it's after the fact. The Holy Spirit wants you to know ahead of time. Look out. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't walk here. Don't go with those people. Stay with these people. Don't do this. Do this. God is not a God of don'ts. God is a God of do's. Amen? And so when he says do this, there's power to back it. When he does say don't, that means do not go there. Because there is an enemy waiting to take you out. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray right now for the people that are here. You may be one of those people where the enemies come, tried to take you out. I want to tell you God has a great plan for your life. You're not an accident. I don't care how you came into the earth. You are not an accident. The Bible says that you were formed perfectly in your mother's womb. You are here on purpose. You have a destiny. And you're beautiful. 
over here. You need to know that. God made you beautiful. God made you in his image. And there's nothing ugly about God. And so the way you look, the way you, the way you act, the way you want to be, that's God's plan for your life. God has no other plan for you. He doesn't say, oh, this one will fail and that's okay. No, he says you will all be successful as you meditate the word of God and keep your focus on Jesus. You know, God is more concerned about your faithfulness than your success. I just want to say that. God's word for success is faithfulness. And if you will be faithful to God, no matter what it is you're doing, you will be a success. You will be a success. If that's you today and you say, I was going the right way, this may be you. I was going the right way and then I I kind of turned and went on a wrong road and I need to get back. I need to get back really fast. Let me see your hand. If you've never received Jesus or you need to get back, I see you, Corey, over here. Anybody else? Okay, those of you that have your hand up, I want you to come quickly to the altar. Thank you, Jesus. Come on up here. Yeah, give them a hand as they come. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you today that your your power is greater than the power we see in this world. In Jesus' name. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Amen. You can do this. You can make it. So can you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for these that are standing here today. Would you stretch your hands out? Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you for their lives. Thank you. Kelly, can you come up here? Thank you, Jesus, for their lives. Thank you, Lord, that you see right where they're at and their need. Let's intercede, church, because, you know, the devil loves to steal, take away what God had planned. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we thank you today. Thank you, Jesus. If you're a believer, would you come and stand behind these that are standing up here? Yeah, just get your hands on somebody right here. Sue, come on. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just thank you today. Except for the grace of God, there go we, captive to the enemy. But because of Jesus, we can come through to the other side. We can get on that boat and get out of that place that's held us bondage. And I believe that today for every person standing here today. Let's all pray this together. Just say this after me. Father, forgive me. I've made mistakes. I've sinned. I've fallen down. And I don't know how to get up. I need help. So I'm coming to you, Jesus. Because I know you'll help me. I know man can't help me. But you can forgive me I want to be who you made me to be I rebuke the devil I tell him right now devil you have no place in my life you are defeated you are a liar you are a thief I am free because Jesus died for me he loves me And you have no place. I throw you out. In the name of Jesus, I am free. And he whom the Son set free is free indeed. Now, Lord, we declare freedom over every one of these in Jesus' name. We say no more. No more, devil. No more. No more. In the name of Jesus, we speak freedom and healing in Jesus' name. Now, if you're here today and you say, you know what, I've... I have had 
some situations that to me are like spiritual disaster in my life and I know it and today I'm turning this ship around and I'm going to be free if you're out there lift your hand I want to pray for you you've had some disasters yeah I know you're out there thank you Jesus in the name of Jesus we say the ships are turning back to the right direction the right course in Jesus name going forward in Jesus name we call power into those vessels in the name of Jesus I call power into your life in Jesus name the power of God that is in you will resurrect and come up and take you the right way and I thank you Lord there will be no more detours no more detours in Jesus name but they will sail on the right ship at the right time, doing the right thing in the right way. We give you the praise and the honor and the glory in Jesus' name. Now, how many of you are willing to be that vessel God's getting ready to use? Because I believe it's harvest time. Father, you see our hands. We are ready. Put us in place. Put us in position. Let our words bring life. Let our lives show the love of God. Let the faith that you've put inside of us begin to manifest and that we would see signs, wonders, and miracles in the workplace. Everywhere that we go, we will be the light that you've called us to be. We will blow the whistle where the whistle needs to be blown, and we will trust in the Holy Spirit to lead and guide us in Jesus' name. And everybody who believed that said, Amen. Hallelujah. We'll give God some praise. Go